Sunsets from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Good morning, church. Um, I stand before you this morning as a product of God's mercy. Let me give you a little background about my journey and my faith and my walk with God. I'm not here to give a message. Everyone here knows I'm not a preacher. <laughs> I'm not a preacher. I'm just here to share what God has been burning in my heart. Like I said, I'm a product of God's mercy. And his mercy keeps me. His mercy sustains me. It's because of his mercy I can stand. There are certain things that have happened in my life. And that's like an Ebenezer. It's a stamping. It's a stamping that God exists. When I'm down, I'm troubled, I'm discouraged. I'm disillusioned, I'm depressed. I bring to remembrance. You know, walking with God is personal. It's experiential. When, when you experience God, ha, there's nothing anyone can tell you. That's why it perplexes me when I hear that someone has walked with God and 15, 20, 25 years down the line. Say, so I know they do. I'm baffled. I'm actually baffled. Did that person really taste? Did that person really see? Did he touch? Because if you have seen, if you have tasted, if you have touched, oh my, we die here. We die here. Have you seen? Have you touched? Have you tasted? We just sang. They are new, new every morning. Thank you. If we, I think I'm going to misbehave. Oh. I just feel worship, 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 worship. His mercies are new every morning. It's a renewing, it's a refreshing. When you're down, the water level is low. His mercies are new. Dive in, dive in, plunge. If you do that, you won't walk away. You will not walk away. You will never walk away because it's experiential. Why? Because you have tasted. Why? Because you have touched. Why? Because you have seen. I want to start by just giving a few examples of things that I go back to when I'm down and hard pressed and wondering, God, where are you? Where are you? I remind myself about the mercies of God. I remind myself about the goodness of God. I gave birth to my third daughter, Talia Imani, 
in 2007, June 2007. And um, two things happened. My oldest daughter, Onahi, had chickenpox. I haven't had chickenpox. So I was advised to stay away. And secondly, I have four daughters. Talia was the only one that came out with jaundice. Where's Talia? I don't mean to embarrass you. So we had to stay back in the hospital. And something else happened. It was during one of those labor strikes. Lagos had shut down, 2007, June. I don't know if anyone can recall. There was a total shutdown. That particular NLC strike worked. And something happened. I was in the hospital with Talia. I couldn't come back home. In our house were my two older daughters, Onahi and Adia, and the nanny, my cousin, who was serving, and a very close family friend who was at law school. Moses had gone for a night vigil that night. We were living in somewhere the outskirts of Ikoyi Osborne, the foreshore side, the water side, I don't know, burglars, thieves, robbers, I don't know, came into our estate. They robbed the house on the left. The house belongs to a, 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 a Milad, a former Milad. Gen Z, you don't know what Milad is. <laughs> Catherine, <what? laughs> you know I'll pick on you. That's a military administrator. Was a military administrator on our left. And on our right was our landlord's house. Thieves came in, robbed the general's house, emphasis on general. Came into our compound, walked through the back, used the buckets or whatever, created a wedge, and went into our landlord's house and robbed. Remember, I was in the hospital. Moses went for a night vigil. Moses came back early in the morning and the security man was like, see what happened, see what happened. I didn't hear a thing, I didn't see a thing. My colleague, you know, what do they say? Nothing where Musa, no, they see for guests. All the Musas had come together and were exchanging notes. And Moses was wondering, what's going on? And that's when he was informed that robbers came in. Do you know the beautiful thing? Yours truly, yours truly, emphasis, yours truly, did not lock the front door. <laughs> the front door was, it wasn't ajar, it was locked, but not with a key. Do you understand what I mean? How do you explain that? I'm not, wait, Remember, I'm not saying that the other, my left and my right, didn't have the mercy of God. That's not where I'm going. But for me, I cannot explain it. I cannot explain it. When I'm down, and I remember that moment, I remember ah, his mercies are true. I went to law school. And to be honest, law school is not hard. I'm not smart like that, though I'm not ethical. Law school is not hard. You know the problem with law school? That's what I can say. <laughs> Ma, where are the lawyers in the house? It's just bulky. It's just too much. I heard, I don't know how it's true, that it's actually a two-year program, and it's condensed into like nine months. 
I don't know how accurate that is. Sandra, is that true? Law school is not hard. It's just bulky. There's just too much. As I was writing my bar part two finals, something happened to me. It's always MCQ, did all the other ones. I think the fourth paper is always company law. They call it something. I've seen the curriculum, I've seen, I, I don't even understand what's going on. Um, so it was company law. And as I sat down to write that exam, something happened to me. They brought in the questions. In law school, there's a set that's always compulsory and then you can choose the others. So I was like, let me go through. And I smiled, I was so happy. As I carried my pen to write, you won't believe what happened. Everything left me. Even it and, I couldn't spell A-N-D and, my brain. What do they call computer when it? <laughs> my brain crashed. I just sat down there. I did, oh, I did, I did. Ina, the engine was not firing. <laughs> It was not firing. I prayed, I prayed. I said, God, God. I started crying. Tears were just rolling down my eyes. Tears were just rolling down my eyes. I didn't know what to do. The invigilator noticed. Ah, hey, law school, I forgot to add. As you're entering to write the exam, do you know what these people do? There's an ambulance. <laughs> There's an ambulance because... <laughs> There's a big possibility that someone may. Uh, I said, God, that ambulance is not for me. That ambulance is not for me. And the invigilator, she noticed. She brought tissue. She bought a box of tissue and she kept on the table. And, and she kept rubbing my hand. And I knew she was praying. She kept tears. Not that ugly cry, not that hey, hey, that just tears. That Hannah kind of, and she just kept stroking my back, stroking my back, but I knew she was praying. God had mercy on me. The floodgates opened and whatever came back. You know, when you have that kind of experience, sometimes you're already defeated. In Hausa, we'll say, talk, say good, yeah. I, I thank God. I leave it to God. And you know law school? Yeah. <laughs> law school used to publish results where? National, no, not newspaper, national newspaper. So it's like, I'm a body. Everybody that you know. Who has done it before? I don't, oh, it's all Gen Z here. You buy newspaper and you call the person, ah, I saw your name. <laughs> I saw your name. <laughs> and you're like, where you are, Lada? Can't make any. Long and short, I passed. <laughs> First sitting. Ah, you know, in law school, if you, you write six exams, you fail one, you can come back and reseat only that one during our time. You fail more than one, you have to come back and write all six again. I think we do five subjects and the six is the MCQ, MCQ a, a merging of all the subjects. TMI. <laughs> so I passed. When I think of that, <laughs> I'm just filled with gratitude. 
that God sent that angel to stand beside me and comfort me in my hour, in my time of travail. My name is Hadiza. That's predominantly a Muslim Islamic name. My father is Muslim and my mother is Christian. My growing up was quite interesting. Why? We celebrated both Christmas and we celebrated, oh, I forgot I'm in Lagos, that's new. Lagosians, you will know how to have relatives, friends and family and be. So on Salah, what do we do? We make toshin kafa. What do we do on Christmas? We cook rice. And my mom got a malam. I don't know what they call it here, alpha or something. Those ones that come and teach you lesson. They teach you a Quranic reading. Uh, we had one when we were a lot younger that used to come with an aloe, that slate. And, but guess what? She sent us to a mission school. So in school, I would go to school and I was hearing the stories of David and Goliath. I was hearing about Jonah and the fish. I was hearing about the fruits of the spirit. And at home, I was hearing something else. So I wasn't raised in a typical Christian home. But I found God. God was merciful to me. And I found him. I would give a last illustration before we start. I didn't like your pastor. <laughs> your pastor chased me, chased me, chased me, chased me, chased me. It wasn't even, there was some part that was, it wasn't really hard to get, Seth. It was just like, you're not my speck, be going. You're not my speck. You think it's easy, every week you'll be, Hadiza, this is your turn, you taste it today. <laughs> you taste it today. <laughs> you taste it today. Ah, I was spilling all the tea. Uh, I have all my receipts. <laughs> so, guys, <laughs> children of God, Pastor Nigel, what? Yes. <laughs> Name and shame. <laughs> so, but seriously, God did a working in my heart, and I knew He was the one. And it was very extreme. Moses is gentle, gentle, gentle. Moses just came one day with one gra gra like this ultimatum. In my mind, I said, see this one. <laughs> I said, see this one. He had moved to Lagos and he came to just to see me. And of course, today I'm doing, tomorrow I'm not doing. Today I'm doing, tomorrow I'm not doing. Do I have a witness? Is there anyone like that? <laughs> and then he just told me, Hadiza. We're supposed to be together. You know him now, when he, he just start whispering and putting his voice down. I'm holding the mic. I'm holding the mic. That's why they have mercy on me. Hey! Yeah! And, Lord, I only have 45 minutes. Let me focus. And something happened something happened. He left town. He told me, ah, he said he's leaving the next day by 12 o'clock. He's going to KD. He's going to Kaduna to see his parents. And 
if he doesn't see me before then, he's gone. And he will just think the, marriage, the relationship is over. That means I don't want to do. Something happened to me that night. A restlessness. A restlessness in my heart and my spirit. But guess what? What do yours truly do? The pride of life. I said, me. Follow him, care. Ha-ha. 10 o'clock, 11, 12, 1, 2. I said, this guy will come. He has not gone. Hey. Five, six, seven. Ha. That's all I'd gone. <laughs> ah, like Peter, he went fishing. He had gone. Hey. I just had a restlessness, restlessness, restlessness in my heart. I didn't know what to do. The next thing. God speaks to me in a very funny way. I'm not, I love the way uh, Pastor Ibim describes her relationship with God. And God said to me, Esther, say, hey, when will I? She, she has conversations with God. I don't know whether it's my gragra or what. I hardly hear the voice. I, mine is more of the urim, the turim. I get impressions that kind of directs me. And even when I hear the voice of God, I'm always doing something super random, something very abstract. I can be stretching to pick up something. I'll just hear God. I was telling them yesterday, that I had put in my leg. I was going into the car to drive. I put in one leg. I just heard God, boom. That's how God speaks to me. I am in the least spiritual state. That's mostly when I hear. With Moses, when we pray, we pray, 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 pray. Me, at one point I say, you know it's you God who talk to. Because if I pray 10 hours, I may have, but I don't have that. <clears throat> I don't get it like some people. I really desire it. So back to what I'm saying. God asked me to call him. I didn't call him day one. I didn't call him. I didn't call him day three. It's very humbling saying this so. Ah, flesh. I eventually called him. It was landline, the days of landline. And I called him. He was back in Lagos. I said, I'm doing. <laughs> oh, when God humbles you, you will do. <laughs> you will do. Long as she thought. But my mom could not stand him. <laughs> my family wants so my mom was more, it's not like he was a bad person. It was more like, ah, until you can do better now. I know Moses, eh, humble Moses, making, good morning. My aunt said, Hadiza, this your boyfriend is a pretender. He's a pretender every day. He's a lie. He's a lie. Long and short, God gave us grace. My mom opposed. It was August, August of 2002. Moses said he has told his parents, I've met his parents and everything. He said he's told his parents about us and it's time to take the next step. I said, me, I can't tell my mom. Me, hey, I don't know. I thought, thought, I said, okay, let's go and speak to my uncle and aunt. Then he had like a mentor in Joss, 
an elderly man that he spoke with. And that person also knew my mom. So Moses went and met him and said, see, see, see. Guess what they told him? Do you know her mother? <laughs> Do you know her mother? Long story short, they came and approached my uncle and auntie and Moses' friend. Went and spoke to my mom and said, oh, his people want to come. They didn't say anything about marriage. Or they just said they want to come and greet her. Long and short, my mom said, when God gives you grace, when they're coming, they should come with salt. They should come with cola nut and sweets. I don't know in the north. I, I, those are the things you bring for Gesua, right? Sweets, candy. That they should come with it. Do you know what that means? That This wasn't knocking on the door. This was come for introduction. <laughs> and they came. And do you know what happened? Let's say they were supposed to come 2 p.m. Maybe let's say they arrived 1.45, 1.30. My mom said, what are these people doing here? <laughs> like she's not expecting them to fall. Moses' father, his mother, his uncles, church elders. Remember, uh, Moses' father is also a church elder in Kaduna. He had a very big, successful, he, he had, what am I saying? He was pastoring an Assemblies of God church. And they humbly stayed there, waited for the one and a half or two hours and came in and we did everything. It was on a Saturday. Mon Monday, Moses came to tell my mom, oh, I'm leaving town. You won't believe what my mom said. You guys, don't waste my time. Give me a date. Hey. And yours truly. <laughs> Gen Z, you don't know this one. Calendars I used to hang on the wall. Sharp guy. He just did like this. First week, first Saturday in December, December 7th. He just said, oh, Ma, we're actually thinking of December 7th. I was talking to him with my eye like, you are who? When? How? He said that mm, it will take about that in his mind. He just calculated it will take about three, four months to get married. So he just said December 7th. And she said, okay. I don't know where this guy got the boldness. And he said, Ma, we want to have it in Abuja. He said, if we have it here, there's going to be too much crowd. Ma, you know your people, you know your this, you know your just. If we have it in Kaduna... My dad pastors a church. There will be a crowd. We want to take it to a neutral place. My mom said, no problem. And that's how it happened. But guess what? The day, December 6th, my mom said she's not doing That she never gave approval. <laughs> but <laughs> that Moses people must come again. That would they be greeting themselves on the uh, wedding? They should come again. But this long story, all I'm just telling you is that if you know the opposition, that we went through, that within four months we were married. Moses, how many years did we date? Seven or eight years of Jani and Jaka. I'm doing, I'm not doing. I'm doing, I'm not doing. So I think everybody was very settled because we, we've, we've been together in that picture. So these things make me Know that, no. I'm just a product of God's grace. My time is already over. Hey, I talk too much.
and my screen is okay the mercy of God so I just walked you through my experiences with God and how I've seen him move in my life God's mercy is real God's mercy is true I will sing of the mercies of the Lord with my mouth what are the names we know God by? Someone help me. Jehovah, what? The God of armies, the God of war, the, the God of the man. Jairah, my provider. Yes. Nisi, the Lord, my banner. Another name. Shama, my no, the Lord is peace. Sit, sit, Rafa, pro, uh, Hila. I don't, uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh -huh, thank you. Many times our earthly relationships have impacted our perception of God, which has limited our understanding of the numerous dimensions of His person. Uh, let's take a look at our earthly fathers. Our relationships with our fathers and other authority figures kind of impacts our perception of God. So, let's take a young man now. What does he do? Youthful exuberance. He carries the family car and goes on a jolly ride with his friends. <laughs> take a wild guess. What happens? He crashes the car. When he crashes his car, what? He comes back home. <laughs> Pape. <laughs> He's livid, he's mad, full of ind indignation, full of disappointment. The dad fixes the car, but he doesn't forget. Every morning, this young lad wakes up. Good morning, sir. Good morning, dad. What does the dad do? He doesn't respond. He does not respond. For three months, four months, good morning. He's a glass child. The father sees through him. No contact, no relationship. Everything he has to go through his mom. Why? The dad is disappointed in him. The dad is upset. The dad is angry. How do we raise our children? Gen Z, you guys are having it soft. Why am I picking on Gen Z this morning? Have mercy. Have mercy. <laughs> okay, Pastor ID has, gi has given me permission. What happens? How were we raised? My own generation, we were raised with heaven and hell. We were raised with heaven and hell. The fear of God, the authority of God, the power of God. Is that not how we were raised? If you do anything, they say, ha, ah, you're going to hell. Hell fire, not even hell, hell fire. That was how we were raised. In Sunday school, what did they teach us? Ha, that thing was emotional damage. It, thank you. You go, to, you go to university, you go to secondary school, every day they're doing revival. What are they saying? Oh, we saw a vision. Only two people are going to heaven. The rest of you are sinners. Fear, 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 fear. Oh, they go and show you the movie of Rapture. Hey! <laughs> to, um, I wish we'd all been ready to end up. Fear. On the street, one disappears, then one left standing still. Hey, I wish we'd all. Pastor, they were old though. They, don't, they, can't, they, they can't relate. They can't relate. What happened? 
We were brought up to know God as Sabaoth. Isn't it interesting that the very first name that came when I asked was what? Ha! Huh. Nobody said the tender. Nobody said the gentle. <laughs> Why? <laughs> when we think, and then guess what? When someone offends you, what do you do? Ha! Huh. Thunder, fire. Well, it's actually lightning, guys. Gen Z is actually lightning, lightning, lightning. What do we say? Thunder fire you. What do we say? My God will judge you. No one cries mercy. No one cries, this person is lost. You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what we do. Why? That's the way we're raised. Uh, my youngest child, Zabida, there was something they used to do in her school. Um, they had clips. Every Monday, everybody starts. I think it's in five places. You start on like blue or green. You, all your names are on a clip, like a laundry clip. What, what are those things called? I don't know, pegs. You all start that with your names on it. And then if you misbehave, you do whatever, blah, blah, blah. You go down three steps. So it's orange, yellow, then the final one red. If you do something really outstanding, you go up and it's blue or something. So on Friday, whoever is on the top gets a reward. So there's that, our teachers are what? Another set of authority figures. If you just check, every authority figure around us is very strong, very abrasive, very dominant, very in charge. And then when we come and give our, I'm just paraphrasing because I've, I've strayed if I follow this message. So I'm just trying to condense everything quickly. Authority figures around us have impacted the way we see God. And we always see him as Jehovah Sabaoth. We see him as Jehovah, my helper, my shield, my power. Even church teaches us, what, do, what should we do with our enemies? Holy Ghost. Fire. Holy Ghost. Fire. No one cries mercy. No one cries for the lost. There's a time, Moses and I went to Lagos Island. We went to buy something in the market. And there was this guy, I'm not going to call the name of the church. He was wearing a vest. This like reflection safety vest. And he had like a, it was like a banner of their church and the program they were having. So it was a form of what? Evangelism. It was awareness, publicity. And <laughs> you put your pastor is very thrifty. He was haggling. And Moses can go low. <laughs> eh? He haggles better than me. Moses can haggle like a woman. And the guy, by the time Moses called one amount, the guy was upset. Haggling, haggling is what? Pricing. What we call pricing. And the guy was so upset. He was fuming through his nose, his ears. He said, oh, guy, if you don't go buy this thing, just come out from here. Yeah, yeah. Agitation, indignation, anger, resentment. <sighs> Yours truly, today, ah, I've caught you. <laughs> Yours truly just said, you know that his whisper, why are you angry? <laughs> <laughs> why are you angry? <laughs> <laughs> as if he didn't know what he did and when we left 
you're you're putting your head down. But I've not started, oh, okay? I've not started with you today. Do you know what happened? He just told me, H, why is he so angry? I mean, he's even supposed to be evangelizing. And then he said, I've noticed people that attend that church that have never met a joyful person, that they lack the joy of the Lord. That they lack the joy of the Lord. So, when those kind of people come to evangelize and you're wearing a short skirt, what do they say to you? Sister, ha, the kingdom of God is at hand. No man. So, I think I've made the point. I've made the point. But there's a name. There's a name. He's called the lion. He's called the lamb. The lamb of God. The tender. The compassionate. The forgiving. The gentle. The understanding. Ha. Ah. Many of us have very limited understanding. We have very limited understanding of the lion, of the lamb. Today, we're going to focus on the lamb of God. When John the Baptist saw the lamb, uh, Jesus, what did John the Baptist say? Behold, what? What did he call Jesus? Remember. What was the relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist? They were cousins. They weren't strangers. They were first cousins. He didn't say, ah, my guy, my G, bro. He called him. What? The lamb. And what did he say that lamb does? The lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Why was Jesus the Lamb of God? Jesus was the Lamb of God because he loved us. It was out of love he looked at us and he loved us. He looked at us and he loved us. That love propelled him to come and reveal himself in a different dimension. We don't know the love of God. We, 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 we perceive the love of God based on our actions, what we do, and we're deserving or not deserving. Why? Because of authority figures in our life. If you do well in school, what happens? You get rewarded. You do well at home, what happens? Your parents reward you. So, it's a very delicate thing. And we carry it into our relationship with God. So what happens? What happens when we do that? And we wrong God. Guess what we do? Because we know that nature of authority, of punishment, of disappointment. What do we do? We hide. You know when you do something wrong and you hear your father's car coming in, what do you do? You run. What happened to Adam in the garden? When he heard the footsteps, God was coming to Jesus to fellowship. Do you think God didn't know he fell? Do you think God didn't know he did something wrong? 
What did Adam do? He hid. And that's what the devil makes us do. And that's what we tell ourselves that what we are not worthy. We tell ourselves we are not worthy and we hide. What do we do? We stop coming to church. We stop praying. We stop fellowshipping. Why? Because we think we're not, we're not worthy. We become stragglers. The children of Israel, what happened to the stragglers? Those that were <laughs> patching at the back, uh, putting <coughs> what happened? The Amalekites came and that's what happens. Children of God, when the devil is after you, run to God. When man is after you, run to God. When you yourself, you're after yourself, run to God. His mercies are new every morning. It is not to him that runneth. It is not to him that willeth, but it is to God that showed mercy. Back to the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God is tender. The Lamb of God is forgiving. The Lamb of God is gentle. The Lamb of God understands. Do you see, do you see sheep, um, shepherds with their flock? In the north, you see them making some very, very funny sounds. Do you know what they're doing? <laughs> he knows my name. They know, they know each of their flock. And that's what I want you guys to know today. God loves you. It's not because of what you do. He's the Lamb of God. He's merciful. He's compassionate. I want you to know that every day you wake up, you say, Hadiza, God is mindful of me. 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 He knows my name. Do you know why we struggle? Do you know why we struggle? Do you know why it's so difficult to keep on the path of God? We don't know his love. Neither do we understand his mercy. I stand before you today. I'm not talking about sloppy agape. You know, there was one season of one, what is it, levels of grace. I'm not saying go and sit and come back and say I have grace. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about saying you're crying to God. You see your fallen nature. What does the Bible say? The heart of man is deceitful. The heart of man is desperately wicked. What does the Bible say? In iniquity was I conceived. God conceived you in iniquity. That's a disadvantage. That is a disadvantage. Sometime back, there was something that was trending. On, uh, it was a social experiment on social media. And it was with toddlers. What happened? You would bring the child's favorite treat, candy, anything. You'd open it and keep it in front of the child and say, oh, I'm just stepping out for a minute or two. It's yours. You can have it. But till I come back, I'm just going to be away for two minutes. Don't touch. There was a hidden camera watching the child. What happened? What happened? Most of the children fell. They couldn't help themselves. So that little two-year-old, that little three-year-old, what is making them disobey? The fallen nature. It's the fallen nature. 
It's a fallen nature. Let's take the life of David. David knew God. David knew God. David stood before Goliath as a young boy. He had faith. He had courage. He stood before Goliath and what did he do? He fought. Remember, he was a tiny boy. All those admirers there, none of them, for how many days? We know the story. Nobody could face Goliath. And he did that. He knew who God was. He knew. But David became king. David had walked with God. What happened to him? He fell. He fell. He became a murderer while he was covering his sins. This is a man that knew God, who knew the mercies of God, who could, who, he was a worshiper. He could activate frequencies. He could activate levels of worship with God. When Saul had an evil spirit, what did David do? Do you know what it means to access the presence of God, bring down the presence of God? When he played the, the harp, when he played the harp, what happened? Do you think it's easy? Do you think it's easy? It's not easy. My message has, I don't know why, but there are two things I want to say today. We know the names of God. We know his power. We know about his influence. But we don't know about his love, his tender mercies, his forgiveness. We don't know that part of God. We don't know that part of God. We don't know that part of God. But today, I want to encourage us. Let's try. There's one thing. Do you know how we access the mercy of God? Remember I said we already have a disadvantage. What is that disadvantage? A sinful, a broken and a contrite heart. A broken and a contrite heart. That's the secret. Every single morning you wake up, every single morning you wake up, God have mercy on me. I'm an unclean woman. Have mercy on me as I go my way. Have mercy on me, oh God. Have mercy. Have mercy. Matthew chapter 9, from verse 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, 9 to 13. I read from verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, 
not sacrifice. Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Do we know this part of God? That when we're broken, we're defective. He's there for us. And God desires that each of us should come to this. As I've already said, why do we need mercy? We need mercy due to our fallen nature. You're a good person. You're a good guy. You go to work. And there's a new member that comes to join your team. And the guy just starts doing wonders. His name is written in gold, in stars. And you find yourself feeling some kind of way towards the person. What are you supposed to do? Are you, what are you supposed to do? What's happening? The fallen nature. If we're able to relate, if we're able to identify when the fallen nature starts creeping in, what do you do? Say, God, I'm feeling some kind of way towards this guy. Help me. I'm feeling some resentment. I'm feeling some jealousy. You pray that. What happens? You keep continuously praying it. There comes a washing. There comes a cleansing. There comes a purification. Before you know it, that person actually becomes your friend. You actually mean well. Why? Because you went to God. You acknowledged your shortcomings. And you have now become an overcomer. We need mercy because we can't do it on our own. Exodus 34, verse 5 and 6. The sacrifice God delights in is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart will God not despise. Matthew and Psalms 51, verse 17. And when we fall, how do we come? To show you that this is not sloppy grace, it's not sloppy agape, how do you come? How do you come before God with a contrite heart? Let's use our earthly father. When, when it's time to buy jam form, what do you do? You come and say, ah, dad, good evening, sir. Um, jam forms are being sold now. You say, okay, how much is it? Take and buy. No Allah. But what happens when, let's say, you went to the optician, or ophthalmologist or whatever, and you, they, they gave you two pairs of glasses. And the next day, you enter a bolt and you forget, you forgot a pair there. The next week, you put it in the back of your jeans and you sit on it. <laughs> and God did not bless you with sight. What do you do? What do you do? How do you approach your dad? Is it the same way you went to tell him about jam form? Is it the same way? How do you go? <laughs> With a contrite and a broken... <laughs> that is how you approach your earthly father that day. You know what you're going to say? Dad, I know 
that I was careless. Dad, I know that I wasn't too responsible. What are you going to say to your dad? I know these glasses are expensive. And I know you cared about me. And that's why you got me to one as backup. And I know it was just last week you gave me. Is that, isn't that how you're going to approach him? Ha, you go explain, tire. Are you going to come with, ah, dad, they're selling jam forms, so it's not, is it the same? Uh, your head is going to be what? I'm not saying pretend. What will your dad do? You this boy. You this boy. You this boy. And the next thing he's going to call the mom and say, take this boy. This next one I'm buying for you. Ha. You, if you like, misplace it, you're on your own. But he will what? He'll still buy you your glasses. Why? Because he knows you need it. He knows you need it. He knows you need it. I'm not talking about sloppy grace. I'm talking about, I can't help myself. I need you, Lord. Help me. Help me. You will never find mercy from a place of haughtiness. You will never find mercy from a place of pride. You will never find mercy from a place of self-will. You find mercy when your heart is contrite. Your heart is broken from a point of genuine repentance. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, God searches our hearts. The heart of men is deceitful and desperately wicked. We strive to be obedient, even with mercy. Do you know we don't want mercy? We don't want mercy. There's one goal. When you're seeking for mercy, do you know why, what should be your emphasis? We want to be obedient. We want to please the Father. We want to please the Father. That's why we do that. We strive to be obedient, not because we're afraid of God and the repercussions of our shortcomings. We try to please Him because He's our loving Father and we do not want to disappoint Him. I had a pastor who always used to ask this question. If God carries a microphone, a megaphone from heaven and announces, hey guys, there's no more heaven. There's no more hell. Free for all. What are you going to do? He gave the illustration. He said, ah, some brothers here will carry three chicks here, three girls here, ah, nightclub, every, smoking, drinking, everything. But there will be people here and say, it's not about do's and don'ts. I love your ways. I love you. I like what you represent in my life. You have to get to that point with God that your fellowship and relationship is out of love. So many times our relationship with God is because of needs. How will you feel if someone who comes to you only because they want something? It's irritating. It's, it's unfair. It's actually evil that me, my worth, is what I can give you. But that's what we do with God. When things are rosy, are we pushing? Are we pressing? We have to come to that point of 
Father, you have loved me. You have been merciful to me. You have preserved me. You have been good to me. And because of that, I love you. I love your ways. Your ways are not burdensome to me. You said, do not steal. Do not kill. Do not destroy. I'm not doing these things because I'm afraid of you. I'm doing it because of your love. I love you. I love you. I love you. You must get to that point with God. You must get to that point of God. If you don't have it, say, hey, Pape, my heart is like stone. We are not tempted by the things we don't like. Me, if you give me alcohol now, you give me a, a, a bottle of wine, I drink one, I drink two. I will stand on top of this, well, I'll break it. But, and aside, this morning I was coming down the stairs and my daughter was laughing. And she, was, she wasn't laughing, she was smiling. My second daughter, Adia, and she was smiling as I was coming down. And I looked at her and I said, early this morning, about 7 a.m., I was like, ah, why are you smiling? What is it? She said, oh, it sounded like an elephant was coming down <laughs> the stairs. Falling nature. <laughs> For the God, what was said before me this morning? <laughs> I just had to let it go. I just had to let it, what? <laughs> Falling nature was, <laughs> the temperature was, you tell me on a Sunday morning that my footsteps I was sounding like a <laughs> elephant. Adia, where are you? Adia. <laughs> oh, she's not here. So only <laughs> nature wanted to, but I overcame. So what was I saying? Alcohol, yes. You can't tempt me with alcohol. It's not my it's not my forte. Uh, I know some people, you know, everybody has, I don't know, I'm not going to get, get into the theology and all that, the thorn in the flesh, what Paul was referring to, was it sin or was it not sin? But there's always something that, you know, gets us. Huh? Three things. Jesus was tempted three ways, which represents what? Pride of life, first. Lost of the eye. Lost of the flesh, those three things. <laughs> You will find your place. And unfortunately, some of us, in fact, we belong in two. In fact, three. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> some of us actually, but what, what am I saying? We'll always be tempted. When we're tempted, when we're tempted with the things that have juice, the things we enjoy, the things we like, not random things. So be aware. Be aware. Be aware. Our relationship with God is what should drive us to say, I want to please him. When you do something and your earthly father comes and pats you on the back, how do you feel? You feel good. You feel good. The day you graduate, the day you get honors, the day you win awards and your family is there, it's a very good feeling. And that's what God wants with us. He wants us to have a very good rapport. It's not about what you did or what you didn't do. I'll give you this example. I used to work at this um, financial institution and I was their lawyer. I was the head of legal there. 
everything went through me. Every single thing went through me. Whether it was not my department, they didn't enter any contractual obligation. I, I had to go through it. No partnership, no vendor agreement, I had to go through it. Employment contracts, I had to go through it. HR, I had to go through it. Everything went through legal. The MD, anything you take to her, the first thing she says is, has legal seen it? I attended every meeting. I wasn't, I attended board meetings. On the board, we had, our board chairman was an MD of a bank. I had confidential information. I knew every single thing about that organization, why the office I carried. Every sensitive thing I knew. In the office, you have friends. We had a clique, about four of us. We always ate lunch together. We always griped. We always vented about what our boss did or blah, blah, blah. One of them was in the accounts department. He was my G, my G. What happened? If you're busy, they'll buy lunch for you. If you go out and buy something, you have to buy three others, that kind of click. So his boss ratted on him at one of the management meetings and a decision was taken to get him fired. They said at the end of the month, they will let him go. I can't remember when the meeting held, let's say early in the month, the middle of the month, I'm not sure. But a management decision was taken to let him go. Wow, he's my friend. The ethics, ethical, professional consideration. Do I tell him? I look at our friendship. I eat food with this guy every day. We just every day. I didn't say a word. The end of the month, he was laid off. When he was laid off, what happened? You know office gossip, office just the word spread. And he was packing up to leave and everyone was coming to say their goodbyes. Everyone was going to say their goodbyes. And I walked into the office. I didn't say a word. Immediately he saw me. He looked at me. He didn't say a word. I didn't say a word. But his eyes said it all. Hadiza, I'm disappointed in you. Hadiza, you knew I was going to be fired. Hadiza, you ate food with me and just said and laughed with me. And you knew that I only had two weeks, three weeks left in this organization. How could you betray me? That look of disappointment, it was like the ground to swallow me. It was like the ground should swallow me. My friend was disappointed. My, my friend felt betrayed by me. Because he's my friend, I knew his personality. If I told him, guy, oh God, don't throw you under the bus, 
you're going to get fired. As we leave there, do you know he's going to go and meet him and say, huh? you think you can take down your job and shove it where the sun does not shine kind of talk. Real explicit talk. Do you understand what I mean? And then what happens to me? So, it's like, how do I put it? There was a day, Moses went out and he bought me suya. By the time he got back home, I was asleep. And he said, hey, I bought Hadiza suya. Oh. Now she's sleeping. If I wake her up, she'll say, ah, is it because of suya you're waking me up? Is the suya running away? Put it in the fridge now. That he thought about it. Oh. He said, if he should put it in the fridge and tell me the next morning, ah, hey, I bought suya for you. Guess what I will say? Why did you not wake me up? He said he's damned if he does. He's damned if he doesn't. Whichever way, he is still damned. God is not like that. But we think God is like that. God is not like that. The way that my friend looked at me is the way God looks at us when we disappoint. And when we disappoint him, that feeling, ha, it's not a good one. That feeling is not a good one. So that is how we desire, we please him, to seek him. Why? Because fellowship, 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 fellowship. My relationship with that guy was never the same till today. We're friends on Facebook, but <laughs> I... But that's not how God is. God still stretches out, even with his disappointment. He's like the father in the prodigal son. What does he do? Welcome. Come back home. Come back home. But what did the prodigal son say? I am not worthy. Even the servants in my father's house are better than me. God doesn't care. All he wants is a broken. All he wants is a contrite heart. When the prodigal son saw his father and the father embraced him, what do you think it did to him? What do you think it did to him? Do you think that guy will ever want to disappoint his father again? That is where God is demanding. That is where God is taking us to. A place where our desire is just the only goal we have is my meat is to do the will of my father. My meat is to please my father. My meat, my happiness, my joy is to please Him. So that what happens when He comes at the cool of the evening? When He comes at the cool of the evening? When He comes at the cool of the evening? What do we do? Do we hide? Do we hide? Do we hide? Cast me not away from your presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Father, we love you. We love you. Your love compels us and draws us to you. Ah, help us, Father. As I, amen. As I was looking at the mercy of God, there are a few things came for me. Mercy is a resource 
that helps bridge the separation that sin has wedged between us and God. That's the first. Another thing about mercy that I was able to see is that mercy overrides the disadvantage that our fallen nature impacts on our spiritual walk with God. Mercy is able to erase our past transgressions and administer empowerment to overcome our sinful personality. What I'm saying today is not that we should remain there. The more we press in, the more we are of the nature of Christ. The more we press in, the more the flesh is what? The more you press in. Yesterday at the prayer meeting, the, um, Moses was talking about the hours of prayer, the watch hours. Be deliberate about it. Be deliberate about it. Don't only pray in the morning when you wake up. Don't only pray at night. Five minutes in the office, run. Say a prayer. When you feel, say a prayer. Every three hours, every, set a timer. Be intentional. Be deliberate. It may start like you're just doing it in the flesh. But honestly, it will reach a point that there'll be moments you're just looking for an opportunity to just hide. To just seek the face of your lover. I remember when we were dating with Moses. Hey! What my eye has seen. Eh? <laughs> Moses was always there. A snap of a finger. Ah, let me take you here. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's we just enjoyed. We just enjoyed the com our company. I liked being with him. I enjoyed our fellowship Jesus is the lover of our souls do we love him 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 my time is up but there's one thing I want to talk about briefly the attributes of mercy I'll just run out about it one of the attributes of mercy is Mercy is hearing the voice of God. We do not understand that we're in a season of famine. God doesn't speak everywhere. There's a name of God. We're talking, we've been talking about the different names of God. There's a name called, that is Jehovah Hides. Jehovah Hides. Week after week, what happens? Another banger. Another banger. Another banger. God is speaking. God is speaking. Dropping another one, dropping another one, dropping another one. That is mercy. That we're able to understand the mind, the times of the seasons that we're in. It's the mind of God. Between, this, between um, the time of prophet Malachi and the book of Matthew was 400 years. God did not speak. Generations came, born and died and never had heard the voice of God. Never. All they had was hearsay. Hearsay law is inadmissible. Why is hearsay inadmissible? No experience. You were just told. You can't verify. You don't know. They did not see. They did not touch. They did not taste. The, they only heard. Mercy. As a church, God is being merciful to us. We hear him week after week, meeting after meeting. What are you doing with what you are hearing? Are you hiding it under a bushel? What are you hearing with the word? What are you hearing with the word? 
How is it being activated in your life? How are you impacting others with the word of God? God is merciful to us. Mercy is when God speaks because Jehovah hides. Father, as a church, help us not to take you for granted. Let us not take for granted your express speaking. Help our minds, oh God, to understand the privilege that we are the worthy ones that you have chosen. We're not even worthy that you have chosen to be merciful to us and that we can be able to access your speakings. Help us, Lord, to always seek you and desire you. Sometimes mercy demands restitution. The story of Onesimus, what happened? Go back. So God is, mercy for some of us is going back. God is asking you to go and make restitution. You know where you're supposed to go. You know what you're supposed to do. His mercy is more. It's available. You can do it. Go and, go and make that restitution. It may be in relationship. It may be in physical things. Find out what God wants you to do and make that restitution. What happened with Zacchaeus? When you understand the mercy of God, when you understand the mercy of God, everything doesn't matter again. What happens when um, Zacchaeus encountered Jesus? What did he say? He said, everything, everything that I owe. Lord, uh, Zacchaeus said, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I don't know who this is for. Mercy involves, mercy involves restitution. It could be a form of restitution. If that is you, find grace, find courage to do that. Mercy involves dying to self. The Bible says, except a grain of wheat falls to the ground out of the ashes. Except a grain of wheat falls to the, die, to the ground. What does the Bible say? If you want to live, if you want to live, hey, you guys are so weak. If you want to live, what? If you want to live, die. You have to die to sell. John chapter 2 verse 12 verse 24 Verily, John 12 verse 24, Verily I tell you unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Except a grain of wheat falls. There are areas in our lives that we're battling. God is asking you to die. Let it go. Let it go. Die to self. Die to self-will. Die to pride. Die, 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 die. Let it go. Whoever serves me must follow me. God is making demands on us. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Let's die. Mercy is dying to self. That seed must die. That seed must die. That seed must die. I had a very good friend. She was, a, she was much older than me. She was like a mother to me. And we used to pray together. And she told me one day, she said, God is asking me to reconcile with my husband. It was a very painful decision. 
and she didn't want to, but God had asked her to make, she had to die to her will. Sometimes it's really difficult. It's really difficult. It's really difficult. But God is asking us to die. Look for the areas in your life that God is asking you to die. Mercy is also delay. We forget that the fruit of the Spirit is patience. It's in the Bible, oh, patience. What happened to Joseph from the time he dreamed? When did all his dreams come to pass? When did, when did all his dreams come to pass? What about David? David, uh, Samuel anointed David king. And how many years before David became king? Sometimes our character stops us. Uh, mercy flees from the haughty and proud. If you are proud and haughty, you will not see God. Mercy can be activated in the place of prayer. When in anguish, in pain, you seek God, mercy will come to you. Mercy endorses the unqualified. You don't have to be qualified. We see the Canaanite woman who Jesus called as a dog. What happened to her? We see Hannah who didn't have any children, but she got a double portion. Mercy does not despise your age. Is God telling you to do something? Do it. Timothy, what, was, what did his mother and grandmother tell him? Do not despise. Some of us have dreams and desires and we're seeing that we're inadequate. God's mercy is there. God's mercy is available for us. Faith activates mercy. The woman touched the helm of his garment. If only I could just touch the helm. Have faith in God. Go deeper, push. Mercy breaks protocol. The story of Cornelius, a Gentile, but he, he received salvation. Mercy activates multiplication. What happened to Jacob and his sheep? And whenever they were taking them, what happened? The speckled goats and whatever. What happened? God's mercy spoke for him. Mercy is love, the prodigal son. Go back to God. Go back to God. Regardless, God is love. God seeks his compassion. There was a woman, a Nazi woman. What did she say? She said she, she saw the, um, the Nazi officer that killed her parents and her whatever. And she couldn't forgive him. And God said that my love is in your heart. My love is shed abroad in your heart. And because my love is with you, you can forgive. Because my love is in you. God's love is with us and that is why we have mercy God's mercies are new every morning they never run dry mercy may cost you everything some of us are Abrahams today God is asking you leave leave and go to Haran leave your people leave your land leave the familiar leave what you know Leave what you know. Leave your household. Some of us, it may be physical. Some of us, it may be spiritual. Cut the umbilical cord. God is asking you to stay away from something. Do it. Mercy re redeems us from shame. Regardless of our past and what we have done. Let's see Rahab. Rahab's name is in the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews. Regardless of her past. It doesn't matter where you are, what you do. God's mercy is there. It doesn't define you. Finally, mercy is reciprocal as we have received. 
so we should also give. There are seasons in our lives, seasons when we're in the prodigal son and we're asking for mercy. But there are also seasons where we stand as the Father and God is asking us to give mercy to others. Why do we harden our hearts? Why do we harden our hearts when God asks us to be merciful to others as if we've not? In the office, we are so haughty. Why? Our domestic staff, we, we don't have the milk of kindness, of empathy towards them. Why? Why? We know the parable. What happened to the servant? He was owing his master. And he begged the master and the master said, go. And then what happened? Another person was owing him. What did he do? He shot the guy and took him to prison. May we give mercy as we have received. May we be mercy givers as we have become recipients. Finally, John chapter 5, verse 5. To 15. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cut, cured. He picked up his mat and walked. I wanted to read to 15, but we don't have time. The pool, of the pool of Bethesda is a place of severe desperation. 38 years looking for something. We're not told the exact condition of the man, but he was struggling. He was struggling. He was struggling. It was probably a place of chaos and agitation. Can you imagine when the water stirs, what happens? Everybody, can you see blind people bumping, lame men shuffling their feet, crippled people trying to drag their bodies to get into the water all at the same time? And it's only for the first person. Jesus asked him a question. What do you want? Jesus was interested in, of course, just looking at him, Jesus knew what he, he needed, but he wanted to know what his heart. God is in, in, invested in the conditions of our hearts. The pool of Bethesda represents the house of mercy, the house of grace, but it's also a place of shame. It's a place of disgrace. It's a place of dishonor. The lame, the blind, and the crippled. Where in our workings and our dealings are we blind? Where in our workings and dealings with God are we crippled? Where in our workings and dealings do we feel helpless? Come. 
the angel of mercy is at the pool today and he's stirring the waters. The angel of mercy is stirring the waters and he's asking us to come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. His mercy is enough in every difficult task and situation. When you feel that you can't do it, his mercy is there. I struggle with being a pastor's wife. I don't like it. But every time I struggle about it, I receive mercy and grace for the next day, for the next journey. Let's keep tapping into that mercy. We're at the pool of Bethesda, the house of God. The angel of mercy is stirring the waters. What are we doing about it? Where are the Jonas? God has called you. Go to Nineveh and you say no. His mercy is available. His mercy is there for you. His mercy is there. For some of us, God is asking us to jump into the deep, the great unknown. Waters that are overwhelming. Ah, God has promised us that when we walk through the fire, He is there. When we walk in the deep, He is there. Some of us, God is asking us, dream again. Dream again. My mercy is there. My young man will see visions. Old man will see dreams. Don't give up. Dare to dream. Go to the mercy seat of God. Run to the mercy seat and receive. God is willing to speak to anyone. God is willing to speak to anyone. Can you draw near? Can you come to the mercy seat today? Can you? Oh, you are afraid of commitment. God is asking you, my mercy is there for you. Go in. We're afraid of rejection. Lord, I'm incompetent. I cannot do it. God is saying today that my mercy is there for you. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm a failure. I can't do it. God is saying my mercy is there for you. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm feeling disillusioned. Mercy, mercy, mercy is speaking for you. We're the prodigal sons. It's time to go home. It's time to go home. God's mercy is available. Where are the Abrams in this room? God is asking you, leave your country, leave your kindred, leave your familiar place. There's a place, a land, somewhere. I want to take you. Jump in, jump in, jump into the mercy pool of God today. Ah, where is mercy pumping your heart? Where are the Marys crying, saying, how can this be? Knowing I don't know a man. Mercy is speaking for you. Mercy is speaking for you. And mercy says, the power of the Most High will come upon you. It will overshadow you. Where are the mercy Marys? Where are the Marys? Go and burst. God is calling you to burst. Go and burst. My mercy is there. I am corrupt. My hands are dirty. My hands are dirty. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I give bribes. 
to get contracts. God is saying, my mercy is available. Trust in me. I will restore your business. I will teach you the God way of doing things. Mercy is available. Mercy is available today. Mercy is available. Jump into the pool. Jump into the pool of Bethesda. Mercy angel is there. The waters are stirring. The waters are stirring. The waters are stirring. Oh, I'm helpless. I'm too lazy. I procrastinate. Oh, His mercy is available. His mercy is available. Who promised you tomorrow? Who said you tomorrow? Start today. Start now. Start today. His mercy. His mercy is available. Hey, God is calling you to serve. God is calling you to serve in the house of God. And you say, I cannot. I just bought me a house. I just got married. I don't have time. I don't have the resource. God is telling you, my mercy is here. My mercy will help you. Make that commitment. Make that commitment. Hey. Today, God is speaking to Lot's wives. Where are they? God is saying, stop looking back. Stop looking back. The Spirit of God today is saying, stop looking back. Stop looking back. Stop. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. My mercy is available. My mercy is available. Stop looking back. Walk away from that relationship. Walk away. Walk away from that relationship. Walk away from that relationship. Look up to me. Lift up your eyes to the hills. That's where your help comes from. Your help does not come from that person. Hi. God forbid that we say it is our power. God forbid that we say it's our intellect. God forbid that we say it is our might that has brought us where we are. It's all but the mercy of God. It's all but the mercy of God. Some of us, God is asking us, go and make that phone call. Go and make that phone call. Start that conversation. Where are the Josephs? You've been betrayed by your brothers. His mercy is more. His mercy is more. Today, jump into the river. Jump into the river. The angel of mercy has stirred the waters. Receive my mercy. I'm a loving father. I'm a compassionate father. And my mercy is more. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 